You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, where you will meet entrepreneurs, cultivators, scientists, doctors, and inventors in the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, a marketer and publicist in the cannabis industry. Today we meet Willie McKenzie, a vertically integrated operator in Michigan who started growing in the medical market in Northern California. After building a costly cultivation infrastructure in preparation for the recreational market, he discovered that his property was not zoned. This decreased the value significantly, and in addition to the taxes and regulations, Willie decided to uproot his business to Michigan, where everything was much more affordable. It was a good move because he now has a vertical operation with three dispensaries and is surviving the downturn of the Michigan market. Let's meet Willie McKenzie. And so let's just start with... um... Yeah, your origins, where you started out in California, how you got into growing, and then how you moved into Michigan and what you're doing. Really, that's just the story. Yeah, sure. So um, I started I started in the cannabis industry in high school um, and, you know, was involved through college. And then in 2006, I got out of college and I started my first grow <clears throat> in my garage with a single light. Um, and really liked it a lot and scaled it up got a bigger house with a bigger garage and so I started off as a garage grower and I had some issues with addiction um in the I did read that yeah 2008 to 2011 I got sober in 2012 so uh alcohol addiction alcohol and opiates oh wow oxycontin oh god yeah that stuff is bad yeah it was tough so I was, uh, you know, when I got sober, I, I stepped away from all substances and I still don't use cannabis. Um, I've mm-hmm. been sober for 11 years now, but, uh, you know, in 2014, I felt like I had been sober for long enough um, that I wanted to get back in. My cousin had had never stopped. He He was growing in Humboldt. And so I got back in it with him. I bought a piece of property on Jupiter Mountain in Tuolumne County. And we went up and uh, and started growing and it went well. And so we bought a couple more pieces of property and expanded. And then I had been living in the Bay Area and was my wife and I were interested in moving to the country. So we bought a piece of property uh, on the Sonoma-Mendocino border in a town called Annapolis. And we went up there and grew. And so, you know, at the end of it, you know, when when California went recreational, I was in a position where none of my properties for one reason or another could go into the rec market. In Tuolumne County, they didn't approve recreational. Uh For zoning reasons. Yeah, for zoning reasons. So we started getting uh, code violations from the the county, $25,000. And then where we were at in Sonoma County, the irrigation district wasn't going to allow us to use our groundwater. So were you selling, you were just selling in the illegal market before it prop, went wrecked? Prop 215, you know, we were medical. Oh, okay. So you were Prop 215. Yeah, selling we were Prop to- 215 medical operation. Okay. Um, you know, but those, you know, I had built a lot of infrastructure there, right? And, and so, you wanted to go legal. Yeah, and wanting they- to go into the rec market and not being able to was a big hit for us. And, and it really decreased the values of those property. And we put a lot of money into them. So um, that was challenging. And I 
felt like I really had learned so much over the last fifteen years. I didn't want to abandon it, you know. Like I had learned so much through failures and successes that it would have been a shame for me to just walk away. Yeah. And so not having a big backer or anything, Michigan looked like a, a much more appetizing for me at that point. We ended up buying our farm, but when I first went to Michigan, we leased our farm for $5,000 a month, oh. you know, and it took quarterly payments. And so, you know, if I wanted to get a farm like that in California, it would have been incredibly expensive. Oh, so you went and leased a farm first. Yeah, we went and leased a farm. I leased a, a property for the store and, and, you know, the lease rates were very reasonable to the point that I could bankroll the the business in the beginning myself. Mm. You know, we did the construction ourselves. Um, you know, and everything in Michigan was just much more affordable. Mm. You know, the licensing costs were more affordable. The cost to pay a licensing attorney was more affordable. Mm. And so it allowed me to in the beginning because if you're if you have, you know, the desire to start a cannabis business, you have an idea. You come from the culture you think that you you know your idea is the best you know and a lot of the business plans look the same right mm -hmm. and it's hard to raise money and it's very risky you know it's very hard to raise money for a cannabis company that doesn't have licenses it's hard to raise money for an operating cannabis company right yeah but, it's impossible i mean honestly just really hard yeah yeah and so in the beginning there was no there was no raising money i did try i put together a business plan i put together projections i went out I heard a bunch of no's and, uh, you know, so then I, I had to come to a place where it's like, all right, I'm either going to take on this risk myself. And I'm fortunate that I had another business that was successful um, so that I did have some capital to do it myself. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was. Yeah. And I, how, how they say this is that they're trying to bring regular people in and social equity and all that kind of stuff into this business when it's just absolutely unaffordable. Yeah, I, I, I just make not, the whole thing just doesn't make sense. You know, why, why is it costing so much money, a million to three million dollars to step into a dispensary? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Who has that nobody. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. And in the beginning, I think that the cost to at some point, the cost to enter the market will be a lot less. Right? Yeah, yeah. But in the beginning, man, they hit you for everything, right? Uh, if you hire contractors, they're taxing you. You know, uh, if if you're trying to buy a building and they know it's for cannabis, they're gonna mm. jack the you know the value up because it's in a green zone where you where they can do that. But mm. the other the other part is that if you wait and you don't rush into a state that's opening, um, you know when when the states open, you're paying a premium on everything, right? You're paying a premium on the contractors, on the on the licenses, on the value, on the property, everything. If you wait for a couple of years, a lot of people go out of business and, and those become distressed assets. Mm. And then there's opportunities to get into things for much cheaper. And part of me feels like that's almost a better business plan than rushing in. So like if I was to look at going into a new market, I think about this all the time. Would I rush into another market again? Or would I hang back a couple of years? And I think that going forward, I'll be hanging back. I agree. I've, I've heard a couple of people say that about New York. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, this is probably like a California market. Everything's so expensive here. Right. Um, 
So yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Um, so I, I definitely want to go back to your operations, but are you are you here because you're looking um, to get into the market? You're checking it out, or what do you what do you, what is your yeah? What is your I'm pretty focused on Michigan right now. Okay. I you know we have invested heavily in Michigan. I need to continue to build our platform there to the point that you know eventually we can sell it at some point. That's, mm, that's the okay, ultimate, ultimate goal. Right? That's your ultimate goal. At some point you know, there are going to be really big players involved here and, you know, small guys are going to get swallowed up. And so I just want to make sure. Same idea of what yeah. would be happening. Yeah. If somebody wanted to do that here, but you're already established in Michigan. Exactly. Oh, okay. Um, what part of Michigan are you in? So we're in Northern Michigan. Okay. Um, Manistee is where our headquarters is. And then we have stores kind of on the East and West and right in the middle of the state. Um, so are you, so you're selling your own flour? Are you manufacturing products as well? Yeah, we're selling our own flour. We're manufacturing products. We make um, pre-rolls and we make, obviously we make a lot of distillate for the wholesale market. We make a bunch of different live products, mm. um, live resin, rosin, batters and butters and all that mm. kind of stuff. We have not launched our gummies yet. We're working on that. We got a beverage manufacturing, uh, I think the inspection was today. I haven't heard whether it was passed or not. I, I would assume it is, but mm. uh, we'll be manufacturing beverages as soon as next week. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. So, and, But you're bringing other products into your store from other brands, and yeah. of course, in Massachusetts. But that's probably another way... Um, to be able to increase your margins is by being vertically integrated, which you cannot do here. Correct. So that's going to be a real problem right off the bat. It definitely makes it hard, especially if you experience the type of contraction that we had in Michigan. I mean, retail prices in Michigan fell 60, 70%. Wholesale wow. prices fell 90%. And so, you know, uh, 90%. Yeah, we were, you know, we were cheaper than California and a much less mature market with much fewer players. And so there was a lot of, you know, there was some shady stuff going on. There wasn't any enforcement in the market. Um, they luckily the state changed that they brought in a new head of the CRA, the cannabis regulatory agency, and, and he's been doing enforcement and we've seen, uh, wholesale bulk bulk wholesale prices are you know going up like 600% already this year. So the, so they're coming down on the um the illegal growers they're they're, they're coming down on the on the reg, on the licensed operators who are bringing in illegal product. Right? Oh. So this was this was people who were you know having a, a farm and claiming that they grew so much biomass and then bringing in thousands of liters of distillate from Oklahoma and California and, and and conversion oil from the CBD market too. Oh, so because Oklahoma is so cheap, they were bringing that in instead yeah. of using their Michigan growers right. and extractors. Oh my God. Yeah, so Ugh, it's that's... pretty frustrating. You know, it's, an, it's a very unique industry, right? We're the only industry I can think of where there's an established illicit market that you're battling against, right? Like if I wanted to start a, a potato chip company, I don't have to worry that my neighbor's been manufacturing potato chips in his basement for 20 years and, and like, you know, going to bat, going up to bat against him. Right. Who has better prices and right. probably really crap quality. You know, right. that's the other thing you're coming in as a grower, right. you know, so you have that expertise. Um, I mean, I guess, well, I, 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 I guess what people are complaining about here in New York is 
you know, the hemp farmers who are only recently hemp farmers for what, five years, now they're flipping over and I'm not an expert, obviously, but, you know, there's got to be some nuances to growing hemp versus cannabis. And, you know, it's going to take a couple harvests to, to get up to speed where anyone's going to really, anyone who yeah. knows weed wants to go and buy it out of the store. So that's, right. I feel like that's what we're battling. Yeah. And I, 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 after my panel today, I had a few different operators from here in New York come up to me um, to talk to about just that, the fact that, you know, they're only selling outdoor and greenhouse flower. And there's seven other people on their block who are not paying, you know, licensing fees to the state. They're not paying taxes. Um, they're not, the, the customers aren't being charged taxes no. and they have indoor flower from California. That, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh so yeah. How are you supposed to compete with that? I know. I know. Well, it's the, it's the smoke shops that you see here. They're selling the product off the truck. Right. And then it's the, the real growers here have a couple places in the city where they feed right. their stuff into but um but yeah so it's 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 a weird it's actually like a three-tier system right now yeah. because we have the people you know the stores selling from california or out west or whatever and then we have the growers here who don't want to go legal no and who are now selling into the stores too and just yeah so it's yeah. Really crazy it's it's tough you know and Unfortunately, you know, like I come from the legacy market. I don't like saying that we need to shut down, you know, legacy operators. But if the if the idea is to transition into a regulated market where customers are getting product that's been tested, that's homogenous, that you know, yeah, all the things that they voted for, um, I don't see a way for the two to really coexist next door to each other no 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 i guess it, I, I i don't know how that's going to happen I, I i i actually heard somebody i was talking to somebody in the michigan market and they said one of the other big things that's happening here how the new york growers are getting their product to the marketplace is that there's a lot of these um farmers markets popping up in in buildings not yeah. like outside yeah. but it's just like hey come to this party and all the vendors are there and they're all the new york, york growers yeah. so if that's what you're looking for um they're so they're popping up everywhere a little fee to get in yep and it's the illegal stuff that's on the street you know california yeah. stuff on the streets so. yeah little little uh little, impromptu dispos yes yeah little impromptu dispos exactly so that's what's happening here but they say it's going to really shake out but um so how are you how are you battling the price war and keeping, you know, your margins and paying your staff? Like, what are you doing for, is it, is it coming back? So you're saying they're cracking down. So you're yeah. noticing something yes. changing. So we're, you know, we're very fortunate that the state did do something and we're, we're seeing prices tick up. Right. And it starts with the wholesale prices. Wholesale distillate is the base product for a lot of the value add products for carts and gummies and all these things. And so as wholesale distillate prices increase, People are having to increase their cart prices and their gummy prices. So we're seeing it in the stores too, mm. which is great. Um, you know, last year was a really good exercise in learning how to run a lean operation. It was, you know, we had built a company that was, you know, doing eight figures a year and we had hired, you know, for a lot of positions and we had built an executive team. And you go from being a startup where, you know, I'm doing everything to hiring people for different roles and, and then as the market contracts like that, 
unfortunately I have to take on, you know, more responsibility. We have to let some people go from the uh, executive team. So that's what you, how you were doing it. You were just trimming your executive yeah, you're, team. You're trimming the executive You can't team. lose the bud tenders, but you can't, no. it's hard to lose the executive team. You can't too. lose the bud tenders, but you have to look at things like, you know, do we need to be open 10 hours a day? Mm-hmm. Are we, you know, look at the data. Are we selling enough uh, product in the first and last hour of the day to stay open that long, or are we just losing money those hours? Mm-hmm. Um, and you really take a hard look at everything, like every dollar in, every dollar out. You're watching it, and so the the trick is now as the market gets better to stay lean, right? Yeah. And and you know there are certainly some positions that we're going to hire for, um, but not to overhire, you know, and yeah. to make sure that that the that the processes and systems and the values that we've created over the last year operating in such a tough place um, that we keep those. Mm-hmm. So are you are you mostly involved in the operations? Are you how involved are you in the cultivation? I mean you have all these different yeah know, pieces so in the vertical. Um, you know, I am currently uh, overseeing retail and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a director of cultivation who is absolutely amazing. He is just doing a phenomenal job running the cultivation department, far better than I could ever do. Um, And he does not report directly to me. um, And so, yeah, my biggest things right now are that I'm actually directly overseeing retail and marketing. Okay. So what, um, so what are your top sellers there in your, your marketplace? Sure. Yeah. Um, Bulk, like in the stores, the top sellers are like ounces Half ounces. ounces wow yeah and so michigan is an interesting market people like high thc and high quantity and they buy a lot of them and uh-huh. so like for our you know for our for one of our brands we stopped even making eights really yeah wow. because people are coming in they want to buy you know 50 dollar ounces and you know 50 that like People were selling. Is that what you're selling them for? Fifty dollars? Fifty dollars ounces? Selling, people were whole, selling our ounces that we produce that we wholesale to other people in their stores for twenty-five dollars. Oh my god! But you're right. If they want, if they are, uh, they consume a lot. Yeah, I mean that's still, a different thing because if people are small consumers, you could just keep that. You know. 40 bucks for the eight or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's 50, 60 here. Yeah, it doesn't exist in Michigan anymore. Not even like the the, the top brands in the state, you know? Really? But yeah, they're, you know, 25 bucks an eight. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so we sell a lot of ounces, a lot of ounces and a lot of half ounces. And those are, and then, you know, vape carts, distillate vape carts are still very popular. Um, disposables have become very popular. Oh, which I didn't really vape uh, disposables. Vape disposables. So like an all-in-one. Oh, unit. oh, interesting. Yeah, which I didn't see. You know, because vape carts got so cheap last year. You could buy fifteen for a hundred dollars in a so store. So cheap distillate in there, really, right? Yeah, cheap, cheap distillate and cheap hardware. But you know, mm. and who needs fifteen vape carts for a hundred dollars? Like, who can smoke fifteen vape carts in one month? I guess. Oh yeah. I'm but sure um, <laughs> you know, so when 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 the the disposables hit the market, you know, like wow. Breeze came in and, and made a big splash in the market, and you know they were selling their disposable for thirty six dollars retail, and I'm thinking how you know people are used to spending like you know seven dollars on a vape cart, like why are they going to spend thirty six dollars? But the disposables have become very popular, and they've been growing month over month, 
um, oh. since they launched. And so who's producing it? <laughs> who's manufacturing it? Everyone is doing it now. Is um so what what is your tech stack in the um in the in the store? Like what do what do you rely on as far as marketing? Just so your POS system. Yeah, so our POS we actually switched to Blaze for marketing purposes because it's compatible with with SEO. We we had previously we had Leaf Logics and then we had Dutchie, um, and the way that those e-commerce platforms were set up, right? And they used these old iframes in the past, right? right? I'm not techie on that either, right. but it it takes your SEO away from your website yes. and gives it to them, right? Right. So that was Dutchie. So that was Dutchie. Yeah, and, and, and it's getting out there now. Yeah, yeah that's... that was a problem. So we switched to Blaze. So you noticed the difference when you did, like, oh yeah, hits your website. Oh, yeah. and... Our our website traffic has gone way up, and so we hired Deep Roots to do our SEO. Um, and they've done a good job of it. And we have definitely seen a large increase in web traffic. Oh, okay. And where we're at, um, we were having problems with Weed Maps because they, you know, in smaller towns, they're casting a large net over a bigger portion of the state. And so we weren't getting any direct, uh, you know, I, I, there's four towns within this, you know, district right. that they've given us. Like, doesn't make sense for us to pay to rank in Traverse City. Right, because yeah. I'm sure, right, you, you're you traveling to that location. Yeah, and there's already oh, stores there. Well, honestly, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I've heard complaints about the Weed Maps advertising as well. It's oh, not, yeah. the Everybody, ROI is everybody not. Everybody complains. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So that's what I'm hearing too. And, um, but, you know, the Google My Business page is really what's going to get you that local SEO and really work on that. So I don't even see why people really use them anyway. Yeah. You so know. we've been, we've been working heavily on our SEO and the Google My Business, getting lots of pictures up there, getting the reviews, yeah. all that stuff. Um, we use Alpine IQ and yeah, Timber. I heard that. Mm -hmm. um, Alpine IQ has been great for, we started with SMS. We're switching to email now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of SMS. I generally delete whatever I sign up for. Yeah. I mean, I do too, except if I really, it would have to be something I really want to be, get a notification right. for. And if, and if, if it's, if it's because I, you're dropping a new strain that I'm, and I'm such a, you know, not about that. I'm saying if I were, yeah. I, I would want that SMS like, sure. Oh yeah. You'd have to be a real big smoker or, yeah. you know, consumer. You know, the open rates are not Great. And so we're trying, we're going to transition to email to see if email works better. Oh, because I mean, that's their big claim is the the open rates are, right. are so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, email is great. It's something you can save. Okay. We've got the disc, whatever, you know, right. little, little snippets. And, and, and with the email, you know, there, we, there have been issues with SMS because the phone carriers don't want to, you can't just link directly to your, to your e-commerce platform. You know, they so know who been, you are. Yeah. So there have been these goofy workarounds that haven't really worked that well. Oh, so they still have to do workarounds even? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that doesn't really, yeah. When you have to start doing workarounds, yeah. it's just like the whole Google ads thing and right. stuff like that. Okay. So switching to email, you just you know, yeah. right the link right there. You put so much more information in there. It's, yeah. I think it's going to work out better. And what's the, um, what's the, uh, what's the uh, yearly, general median income in your community that you're selling to your demographic forty thousand dollars okay i mean i don't know the cost of living everything yeah. so it's a pretty cost low of living is low but yeah it's okay a, it's a low income okay so low so your prices have to be kind prices of low, low. so that's you're, why that, the bulk product okay that's 
Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. So I, I also heard, and I think I saw you comment something about it, and I've heard it from some other Michigan people. Is this the deli? Um, deli style. Deli style. Is that a yeah. thing? That's a Michigan thing, right? Where you can it's still a thing in Michigan, yeah. Okay, I heard it from someone in Michigan. And I thought that's such a cool idea. Like you come in and you, you know, it's deli style. Yeah. How much do you want? Yeah. Okay, so that kind of feeds into what you're saying as well. So do you do deli style? We do not. And um, you didn't like it. I saw your post and I didn't see why you didn't like it. So from an operational standpoint, I mean, the time that it takes to mm. to process a transaction where you're weighing out a bag, taking a little bit out and, and you know, and then printing a sticker for it and stickering it. Oh, my Forget gosh. It. Compared to like just a prepackaged you know, scan it and put it in the bag. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, from an operational standpoint. No brainer, it, right? yeah. The other thing is that, you know- A bud falls in someone's- The bud falls in someone's pocket, <laughs> you know, uh, the degradation of product, like opening uh, jars all day. Yeah, that's right, in the light and- the light, Oh, yeah. the dryness. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah that's a so bad that's idea. It's a strain that you're not moving through like really quickly. Oh. It's gonna, it's gonna degrade pretty quick. Um, and, But, you know- People in Michigan seem to like it. You know, like the busiest stores in the state are doing deli style. Yeah, it's a Michigan thing. I've heard it from a couple people. Yeah, um, that's cool. Michigan is an interesting market. Is, is it? Why is that? Just a lot of the things that you would think. Uh, it's It seems to be counterintuitive to, to how you would think that a market evolves. Mm. You know, a lot of the things just haven't gone the way that most people think that thought they would go like something like deli style the fact that that's still you know that's a very old school like that's how stores were like way back in the day oh you know? okay that was, so it's like they started something. why is it you know why is this ancient uh technology still working but then you know i look at our marketing you know our marketing um platforms that we're that we're doing now Things like like direct mail marketing still work in the towns that we're in. Yeah, I, I have you tried direct mail marketing? We've done direct mail marketing. Oh. You know, like I came from California. When I lived in California, I hadn't turned on my radio like you know ninety four point nine rate you know FM radio in years. People in Michigan still listen to the radio. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, like in their kitchen, they have the radio. Kitchen and in their cars. You know, it's a place where you don't have great cell phone service everywhere you go. And and mm -hmm. so people are still listening to the radio. And so radio advertising, while you can't directly track the ROI, uh, it has seemed to be effective when we've run little trial campaigns with it. Really? I know. I'm kind of onto the radio <laughs> thing, too. I, I've heard a couple other companies doing that. And I think it's a great idea, but not. But for your reasons, I can see it's it's, it's right. I, I would like to, I know that you also um, were talking about that you've been in mastermind groups and mentoring, yeah. like who have you been in mastermind groups? I mean, you don't have to name specific yeah, no, people, I'm, but like who, who are, is it just Michigan uh, dispensary owners or? No. So I joined um, a couple of mastermind groups that are put on by like Patrick Bed David, who's a, um, a, a big business. They're not cannabis specific. And that's one of the things that I that I had an issue with. They're great groups. I mean, this is a very high level, you know, businessman I, that I can ask questions to for general business operation things. Like if I have a management question, there's, you know, or a sales question, there's nobody better to answer it than that guy. But if I want to talk about, you know, strategy and products and a lot of the things that are unique to cannabis, mm. that group um, has not been great for that. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, yeah. But, you know, like, 
the networking aspect of it, like working, at, you know, creating this group that's full of entrepreneurs and business people who been... want to grow and get better. Um, that has been really inspiring. I've made some really good friends, guys that I talk to on a regular basis now from those groups. You know, there's so much um, innovation in the um, extraction process, you know, with the cold water hash and the, but are you see any, are you guys going to really grow with that with your product? Yes. Yeah, so we're producing live resin products. We're also um, producing rosin products and, and bubble hash. We actually um, have a partnership with a guy from California who is kind of one of the innovators from the space. So we've been very fortunate to have him coming out to Michigan with his SOPs and his, uh -huh. uh, you know, his training um, for our guys. And so that has really um, saved us a lot of time. Right. And that's like, yeah, it ties into the mentorship thing. Right. It's like people who have done this are there are people out there who have done this already and they made all the mistakes, you know, and you could either go through them, bump your head against the wall 10 times and hope you make it. Or you could try to leverage somebody who's done it. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the partnerships, yeah. you know, bring, yeah. Surrounding yourself with people who know better and just yeah. partnerships to take it to the next level. Partnerships, collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, it's extremely important, especially for smaller people in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're rooting for. Cool. Thank you. Thank I thought that you. was great. Yeah, said this. Oh my God. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.